Good day, everybody. It is Craig Ryan from BTC back with his colleague Carla Heim. Hello, everyone. To interview yet another really cool B Corp entrepreneur. B Corp entrepreneurs are people you'll uh, have learned from the, the interviews you've listened to just thus far, are entrepreneurs who create companies that are about far more than profit. They're profitable, but they reflect the person or the people who created it. They reflect that person's values, and that person puts the purpose of their company. Uh, they're explicit about it being a benefit for society in addition to money. At BDC, because we're the only bank in the country dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs, we, we get to meet a lot of them. And we are delighted to have, as today's guest, Christina Zeidler, who is from Toronto. Welcome aboard, Christina. Hi, thank you. <laughs> now, Christina, tell us, what is your company? What is your business? Uh, I run a place in Toronto called the Gladstone Hotel, uh, and it is a beautiful old Victorian hotel, uh, restored, uh, and hosting 37 hotel rooms, all designed by different artists. It has a full-service restaurant, a bar, event space, and uh, three galleries, so it's it's quite a hub. On Queen Street, right? All on Queen Street West. Ah, very cool. And I also note that you also have 401 Richmond as well. That, yeah, that's my sister's building, my literal sister building. <laughs> 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 oh, well, that's now, fantastic. Yeah. Now, tell us, um, tell us about your company. Tell us about your decision to uh, buy a hotel, do up a hotel, and how it's going. Yeah, well, uh, I would say it was less of a choice and more of a circumstance. <laughs> uh, my background is actually I'm an artist, a visual artist, also a filmmaker, musician, performer, all those things. Uh, and my experience has been in the cultural community uh, pretty much exclusively. Um, and my father is an architect uh, and my sister is interested in development and they uh, got involved in uh, 401 Richmond, and my sister loved that project and still continues to make an incredible project and got uh, sort of interested in the Gladstone. Originally, they had a partner, and the partner did not work out. Uh, so she was sort of sitting at a moment where she she reached out to me and said, you know, you've got a lot of experience in the cultural community. Do you want to take on this project? Uh, and I said yes. <laughs> uh, and I really just fell in love with it. I really thought at first I was going to help her out. And within two weeks, I was running the whole thing. And it's 15 years later. <laughs> 15 wow. years. I, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. struck by, um, I, I don't know if I've ever read about somebody that has such, um, such a unique background and then ends up in the hotel industry. And, and the way that you've, you've fused everything together is absolutely fascinating. Um, can you share a little bit about um, what that's been like with the hotel and, and your passion for art and how you've incorporated it into every room, et cetera? Just, you know, why that is so important to you and, and why the importance of art in a community? Well, uh, so... Um the process of developing the hotel was very organic. Uh, it's been operating since 1889, so it's 130 years old, uh, and it's never closed its doors. So when I came in, um, 
it's been through many iterations. So when I came in, um, it was in a particular moment in its time. Uh, and it had, uh, I really saw an opportunity to uh, continue to bring in the arts community. The arts community had been sort of flirting with the building a little bit, doing events. Uh, and I saw a chance to sort of... Um, keep the people who were there there, but expand it and make it more uh, part of the whole community. It sort of a bit closed itself off. Um, and uh, so I was not intending to do a boutique hotel at that time at all. I was more thinking of uh, event space and, you know, art show space. Um, and we had, there were, people staying in the hotel rooms they were staying you know one night one week uh and it was um it was it was a very rundown place and so when i started i just started by sort of cleaning up those spaces i wasn't thinking of doing a boutique hotel at all it was like not my intention For, furthest from your uh, mind <laughs> furthest from my mind i i was actually trying to figure out how i could possibly um fix it up more and create sort of affordable housing. Um, and so I was pursuing that and looking into things uh, and busy running, um, having a grand old, it was like Studio 54. <laughs> it was like incredibly creative space, an amazing space. And artist community really embraced it and um, making it also a safe space. It was not at all a safe space space for any diversity at the time uh it was uh but it, it had its own uh culture as well so it was how to take that culture which wasn't you know particularly queer friendly um or poc friendly and how to shift that all so it was it was this grand experiment um and uh, we came to a point with the building where uh the boiler split in half the uh the um, city gave me six months to replace the entire electrical. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and this giant, big Victorian hotel, like my little fixes up here and there was not going to cut it anymore. And we had to do a full renovation. So wow. I actually uh, sat down with my dad because my dad was the investor and said, what do you want to do? Do you want to keep going? Uh, and he was interested in renovating. So I was kind of from there that I had to create a new business plan. Uh, and it was quite intense business plan because it included having to do restoration, which is a very expensive proposition. Um, so it, it changed. The whole thing sort of changed. Um, and then I had to find, um, well, I felt like it was part of my duty to find housing for all the people who had been there. Uh, and so that was a long journey as well. Uh, so there were some uh, permanent residents in the hotel? They were not permanent residents, but I just felt like... Long term. Um, yeah, not even that long. You know, it's just sort of like there aren't a lot of affordable spaces. And it had been slum landlord before I got there. I tried to not be a slum landlord and make sure it was a good place to be. Uh, but then when I couldn't support that anymore i wanted to make sure people landed on their feet that it wasn't um like a see you later hope it works out situation right yeah. so 
was a much bigger journey than I thought. And it involved really talking about big, scary themes of like gentrification, of development. Um, and I think my artist background and activism helped me on a couple of really key things. One is compassion and ethics. <laughs> and the other was that uh, I felt very backed into a corner with the whole situation and I was sort of being attacked in the press and I kind of didn't know where to go. Uh, and I reached out to my community. I went to the Parkdale Community Health um, and they helped me with some of the people who were harder to house. And it ended up being a journey that was over two years for some people. Most of the people were very easy to find other uh, spaces for, but there were some people that was a long journey. And so it was a great example when you're kind of running a business and there seems like insurmountable odds or very scary things. I was terrified to be a gentrifier or to be a, a negative developer. And I didn't want to be those things. Um, but there was no examples of anybody doing it better. Mm. And the reach out to the community turned out to be a very um, amazing uh, process. Okay. I bet. I'm struck, Christina, by um, uh, your background, which is artistic and activist, and the management skills and business skills and practical skills required to not just take over and run a business, but one that needs a heritage-approved overhaul as well. <laughs> um, yeah. What, uh, that must have been, you must have felt like you were um, surfing a wave over which you didn't always have control. And it must have been a really interesting learning experience for you. Yeah, and I think I am drawn to that. Like my, even in my arts practice, I've always been drawn to DIY politics. Um, so the do-it-yourself movement, which is not home improvement, do-it-yourself. Or <laughs> 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 the uh, punk rock, girl rock inspired do-it-yourself movement, uh, which was self-publishing, self um, promoting and a lot of uh, the tactics that I've learned that have served me well as an entrepreneur came out of having to figure out things on your own and reach out to your community to make things happen uh -huh. um, and I've seen some very amazing things happen out of that um, and I see so many artists able to pull magic tricks out of the hat by using those skills yeah. And it sounds like you're you're an incredible collaborator. That's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That turns your crank. Definitely an asset it sounds like when you when you took on this project. Absolutely, cuz it it's it's a village that that you know, we're the Gladstone has a long history. We're part of that history. I feel like I'm the custodian of this moment. Uh but um, I'm certainly not alone. It's a village. And uh, I feel like the, the Gladstone, it, it, it's a soul place. It's not just um, a business. Uh, and so I feel like uh, part of that success is continuing to make sure that it's relevant to a community and mm -hmm. to people who are discovering it. Now, speaking of communities, you've um, you've entered one, Christina, by certifying as a B Corp. 
Yeah, I uh, really. Oh, we love community. <laughs> that's a, a really interesting movement of people who are entrepreneurs like you and mm-hmm, really public yeah. and community minded. Tell us about that. Tell us how you learned yeah. about the B Corp movement and, and, and your decision to certify and, and what that was like. Yeah, I think uh, I've known about it for a while because actually my sister, 401 Richmond, is a B Corp. Ah. Um, and uh, also, um, I had um, Hypnotic is a B Corp and I've worked with them and they told me right. about it. Um, and so I, um, I've, I've been circling it, but for some reason I was resisting and I don't know why. And I think it's just because with everything we're doing, we're so busy. Uh, and I think there was a part of me that was like, I'm a firebrand. We do everything different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that um, there was just a moment, part of it was the championship retreat coming to Toronto. It felt like a good time to locate. It seemed like the whole movement started to make more sense to me. Um, and I think truly we came to a cross in the road with our business where we have been doing, we've been following our values and creating this amazing space and business, but we hadn't been really transparent about it. And we, we've come to a point where I think our story was so on our sleeve for so long that many of the people who knew our business already knew our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were starting to crest the time when we, there's three boutique hotels now on Queen street and they all are arts involved. And it wasn't becoming clear anymore what made us different, why we're a different space, um, and what those differentials are. And B Corp became a very, it became clear to me that B Corp was a very good way to describe, to quantify and describe uh, that rigor. Um, And to challenge myself to be more transparent uh, about what we do. Okay. And so you uh, certified in. Uh, it was this 2018 year? March, oh, I believe. So yeah. March. Yeah. yeah, no, we're, yeah. we're brand new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you got a great score in the evaluation and you've made the changes. So you are now a B Corp for a few years. That's great. Um, a few months. We're just, we're babies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were also so, we were so, I was so confident we were going to score so high. <laughs> <laughs> and going through the process, uh, I had my comeuppance. We really uh, saw where we could, um, where we had, yeah, room to grow. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's comprehensive, embracing, and it's humbling. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, that's the one thing about going through it. It is a journey, and um, I yeah. love the way when you go through the certification, it gives you all these ideas to do more. And, yeah. you know, it's yeah. very motivating in that respect. Um, what do you think the number one thing is that you, when you went through the assessment, you thought, you know what, we're going to do this next? Uh, that's a very interesting question because <laughs> we haven't quite approached it that way. We're really, um, you know, I, I think the way that we've been a B Corp before has all been like 
my leadership in a way. And it's been sort of a passive hand, but it's definitely been, I've said, we're not going to do this anymore. Tomorrow's the last day. Uh, no more water bottles in 2007. Bam, it happened. We did it. But I was always sort of a driver behind our initiatives. Um, and so we're in an interesting moment right now where we where we could show to our staff what our score was. Yes. And we come back to that. So our very first meeting that we had with our staff about it was to explain the B Corp certification to our staff, which was, it's still a puzzlement to them. They were still working out like how it impacts them and how they can see it and move the needle on it. And we're asking them, what are the pieces that they want to take forward? So that is, that's been a longer journey than I thought. Um, What a great opportunity. What a great opportunity. Yeah, it's neat. Um, But it, it is, it's such an interesting challenge. I would challenge every B Corp to it. Some B Corps I know uh, do a very good job of it, and I'd love to learn more about it, but how to make it clear to their staff. Because our staff, um, originally the thing they're hanging on to is just sustainability. So they're like, yeah, we don't serve straws and we don't have plastic mm-hmm. bottles. Like <laughs> That's the thing that they kind of hang on to. Yeah. Uh that's a but that's a common reflex, but they'll see that it's each yeah. other, it's employees. It's actually yeah. it's interesting. Um, all B Corps try to be inclusive and diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing that on steroids. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so we're trying. <laughs> that's one of your defining <laughs> characteristics, if I'm not mistaken. And so actually, yeah. So in that regard it's highly or hotly b corp ish and you and your colleagues and the staff actually um, are serving as an example to many others i'd like if we could to explore that could you talk a little about the ways that your management for example i've i've been told that the management style is distinctly feminist hmm. what um what does that mean for you and and how does it take form in your decisions well uh we've spent a little time now defining feminism and what it means for us. Uh-huh. And I think it, it's a methodology uh, and it's very closely linked to like an artist methodology. But the idea is that you are constantly reviewing your practices and opening yourself up to essentially be wrong. Okay. <laughs> you, the idea of feminism for me is that you stand in opposition to a status quo. So, if you look at the status quo of hospitality industry, um, lately it's not been looking so great. Mm. Uh, and so if you're standing in a place where you're, where you're evaluating that and how do you stack up against it and uh, what are you doing to improve it, you're in, that's the process that you're, that's the feminism that I'm looking for. It's not okay. a gendered um, um, approach. It's a methodology. Ah, I see. Uh, Mm -hmm. Far more sophisticated than many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I have a great example. um, And that is that we, uh, many years ago, we have a very strong queer community at the hotel. Uh, We host very many queer events. And very early on, this was probably 2004 or 5, we had a huge party. Um, and we have outside security, um, that works with us 
when we have large drinking events, as many places do. Um, and one uh, of our guests went into one of the washrooms and the security person followed them in, essentially policing their gender, deciding that they were not the right gender to be in that bathroom uh, and made them feel incredibly uncomfortable, as you can only imagine mm. that experience. Mm. Horrifying to me as a business owner, just absolutely devastating. Um, and at first, my reaction was like, oh, I want to separate myself from this company. And sort of the, the fortunate part about the story is the, the person whose gender was being policed is an activist. And they were absolutely amazing through this process. But they were unwilling to back down. They were really, they were really asking this question on a larger scale. Um, they were challenging me as the business owner. Like, you've hired this company. You can't distance yourself from them. Uh, and it led to us all sitting down together, the individual, the company, and my management. And we came out of that, I think, really quite transformed. Uh, and we came out with some recommendations that was we would have gender neutral washrooms available. Uh, we would have uh, that had doors that locked, um, that we would have uh, gender sensitivity training. Um, and a number of other recommendations. So we did, uh, and we would change our policies in our hotel. Great, we did those things. That was amazing. And we felt pretty good about ourselves after that. Um, and then about two years ago, we had another group coming, and they said they wanted to um, see our washroom policies, and we sent them our policies, and they looked at them, and they said, well, why do you have gendered washrooms? Like, we do have washrooms that are indicated. Um, and we we do feel that there is a safety element in that as well. But we really had to challenge ourselves. Like the world has changed in those 10 years. There are better um, policies out there for for um, creating safe spaces in washrooms. So we reached out again to the community. Um, and it so happened that some uh, great activists that George Brown had done a washroom campaign. Uh, in gendered washrooms. And what they had done is written beautiful messages on the mirrors. And so if you walk into the gender marked ladies washroom, it says things like, I assume I belong. Uh, Neither is me, but I got a pee. Some fun things on the mirrors. And so we put the, we, we worked with our friends from George Brown and they, they opened up their policies to us so we could borrow from them. Uh, and we, we put them on our, and they have, I can't tell you how many people at, at random times will say to me how that those messages have positively impacted them and made them feel safe. And also how many people we feel, you know, as we did, we stole the, <laughs> Uh, we want it to be open source. We want people to steal the idea and take it forward. And so that's the kind of feminism that we're interested in, which is that we're trying to forge a new way to do business and we want it to be open source. That's an incredible story. Absolutely mm -hmm. incredible story because I know that diversity and inclusion is a really, it's a, it's a hard topic and, um, it's hard to ensure that everybody's got the right sensitivities around it and that as an organization, you're adopting the right practices. And it sounds like you started this journey way before most other businesses even Ooh. thought about it. So more that's pretty a, incredible. More than a decade before. I think it's, yeah. yeah. And I also think that um, 
uh, those experiences have helped me understand, and I hope that other people understand, is that you can be trying really hard and you can still be wrong, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty devastating. I think all of us that run businesses, we, we do try hard, especially if we're involved in a B Corp or, you know, you, you have your heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. And it can be really devastating to learn that you were wrong about something. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, and so what's the next step after that? Yeah. After that, like, I, I failed. Whoops. Like now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I may ask uh, Christina, what, what are the next steps for you and everybody uh, at the Gladstone? You've, you say it's been in business for 130 years. Uh, never yeah. closed. <laughs> no. Uh, I have, uh, on the few occasions I've zipped by in a streetcar or a taxi, it looks to be booming and bustling. Um, yeah. So it um, looks to be like a terrific business. Um, do you have plans for the future? Yeah. Um, I think that part of my future plan is that uh, I love how alive that space is. And I, and, I think sometimes we get so obsessed with like the next step being expansion Uh that sometimes we're not paying attention to um, the on like making a place a living place Mm. requires a lot of love and attention. Um, And so I think that, that's really part of my future is how do I make sure that the Gladstone stays a vibrant community? And like, essentially I don't have plans to change it, but I have a lot of places to grow within it, but itself, it won't expand, but it, but hopefully its ideas expand and, you know, there's, it's grown up so much. And so that we continue to evolve and become because I've always kind of seen the vision of it in 2004. I'd probably say like, oh yeah, we're not really going to change that much. We're just doing what we're doing. And, you know, it, it has evolved so much in 15 years, but um, I don't know how to describe that better. Did I? Did oh, I you so? did. There are different kinds of expansion. It's a weird thing. It's like a becoming. It's a, it's a being. How's yeah. that? I, I have every confidence that you will continue to surprise us and be a trailblazer for sure. Um, I knew that we'd run out of time. I knew we would with you because, uh, you know, you're just such an interesting person to speak with. Can I squish in one more question? No, I no. don't think so. Absolutely, Craig. We can do one more question. Christina, if you could go back in time. Oh, boy. To like before 2004, <laughs> 1995, let's yeah. say. You're younger. Okay. Uh, you probably knew at that point you were artistic. You probably had opinions on society, so people would call you an activist, but you didn't know you were going to be an entrepreneur. If you could go back in time, would you have any advice for that younger Christina? Uh, yes. <laughs> like... In some ways, no, because it was really important that I had my rose-colored glasses riveted to my face so that, um, (laughs) you know, I'm always a big idea person and like my literal kindergarten, (laughs) my literal kindergarten report card said, uh, Christina has too many uh, big ideas. She should just focus on her own work instead of um, looking at other people's works or like working with other people so much. <laughs> uh, so 
in oh. kindergarten, like I see those things as positives. Like yes. one is like I was always like trying to make every project bigger and that I wanted to collaborate. So I've always kind of been the same person. <laughs> so I'm happy for that. Uh, but I think that what I've learned with age is um, is that being more confident in myself uh, and um, be, being more myself in the world. So this sort of stance of even me writing down in my bio that I'm a feminist-run hotel, 10 years ago, I wasn't doing that. I was just doing the actions, but pretending it was all normal. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think that um, being confident to name things is really important because it allows other people to connect with you. And sometimes you're, I was out there on the edge of the cliff dangling anyway. I might as well have just, just said it, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> just been there, you know? So, and I think some of that is just growing up with age too, is becoming more confident in who you are and, those weird ideas that you have there's someone else out there who likes your weird ideas <laughs> <laughs> you just have to lure them in they're always you just is. have to find yeah. them yeah oh brilliant so uh where can we find the gladstone hotel if we're not in a streetcar well, on, on Queen yes street. if you're not on a streetcar on queen street you can find us online at gladstonehotel.com uh and please come and visit us we love seeing people. It is such an adventure to come to the hotel. It's a beautiful place to explore. Uh, and it's a very welcoming place. So if you come by, you'll understand everything. Perfect. <laughs> the I world promise to do that. Ah. And if anyone wants to learn anything more about the B Corp movement that Christina is now a fully fledged member of, uh, go Yay. to www.bcorporation.net. And if that's too long winded and you forget it, uh, come to BDC, www.bdc.ca. Thank you very, very much, Christina. On behalf of all of our listeners, and there will be lots who enjoy and I hope share this podcast. It's been a real pleasure and treat to talk with you. It's been Thank an absolute so pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye fellow B Corpers. <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasure. What a pleasure. What a, what a stick of dynamite. And I mean that in the highest, as a high, high, high compliment. Energy, a vision of how the world can be better, and the entrepreneurial wherewithal to make that the defining characteristic of her place. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I love the fact that she was so focused and didn't give up on her dream mm-hmm. and was brave in the way she approached everything and uh, embraced the community, which made such a That's big right. difference to her business. Um, yeah. And yet another one. She's she's fueling her business success through purposeful cultural entrepreneurship and community. Absolutely. There's no giving back because she ain't taken. Yeah. She's fueling her business success through community. Yeah. I just think that's off the charts cool. A complete focus on people. Yeah. Yeah. It's Wonderful. Been a, it's been another pleasure, Carla. It has been. See Thank you, you next Craig. time. <laughs>